I spent a couple of hours intermittently rage screaming. When we are in such a turbulent and interesting political climate, how much we have to really sort of lean back in to those forms of our own self-care or release. That's how we fall into that trap of, well, I, I can't do this many things, so I'm not going to do it at all. You have to keep <laughs> trying and staying engaged and knowing when to retire an old pair of running shoes and <laughs> or a family member who's never going to budge on an issue. There's no silver bullets for any kind of change you want to see happen. Whether we, you know, quote unquote, win or lose, we still have to keep having these conversations. We still have to keep showing up. Hi, this is Elise Mason here with Jamie King. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Activist Podcast. A couple weeks ago, we hosted a workshop about political wellness. And by that, we mean how our voting and political engagement intersects with personal and community wellness. Today, we're sharing some takeaways from that workshop. And we encourage you to get the full experience by watching or listening to the whole thing with panelists Katie Bouet, Amelia Howe, Rachel Olzer, Melanie fontes Rayner, and Tasha Edwards. You can find it at flexandflow.org slash workshops. And above all, please vote if you haven't already. And let's all try to meet this election and this week with kindness and patience. Here we go. Hi, Jamie. How are you? I'm good. I always love when you start any conversation like phone call or, you know, interviews, podcasts, and you're like clearing your throat and you're like, why didn't I do that before? <laughs> it's always like such a, yeah, it's a sound. And you probably hear it more than others, but it's just like, Ugh, why did I have to do that? I didn't even notice, but I think it makes our podcast just that much more authentic. So I'm here for it. <laughs> oh gosh, authentic. I, this is so like random probably to anybody that didn't get my text about this, but this, these, I don't know, this person appeared in my like explore reels feed and it was just like the most cringy content that I've ever seen. And I'm not going to blast this person's name or handle or whatever, because that would just be like rude of me to do, but I will just give it more of a lump bucket of things that are like obnoxious. And can we please just not do this anymore? But I'm just like, I don't know about you, and maybe this is just me, like, feeling feelings about it, but can we, like, stop coaching people, like, on how to be, like, just, I don't know, human beings that exist in the world? Like, you want to be more fulfilled? And then they're like, you know, do the thing with their arms, and then they start, like, pushing their hands out, and words appear. It's like, be motivated. Drink coffee. Drink water before coffee. And I'm like... <laughs> What the hell kind of tips are these? It's so stupid. Um, and what makes you an expert? Anyways, I rant because I just, yeah, one of the words was like, be your authentic personality. Like, here's reasons why you're not getting engagement. And I'm like, is that really the reason? Or is it because you spent like way much more time like on this video than I do on my TikTok videos? Because, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like 
there's very little about those videos that show up on Instagram that are authentic. Yeah. Especially the ones that are telling you to be authentic. Yeah. Or yeah. And especially the one I sent you that made me feel like, oh, nuts. Um, anyways. Um, yeah. <laughs> Some important, unimportant, important news is um, I participated in this really fun study this morning with a brand. Um, and it was super fun. It was like, all about trail running and this is like my kind of topic it's like you know I geek out on and shoes in specific for trail running and I got to just geek out over shoes for a hot minute and I felt like I was in this room of like-minded souls that just wanted to sit there and be geeks about our shoes and I was like I didn't even know I was this geeky about shoes but here I am and I could talk about them for 60 minutes which I did I mean, I wasn't talking the whole time, but I was very engrossed in the conversation. And the funny part is that it made me really think about how, so I, I just purchased some new trail running shoes. I had put over 850 miles on my last pair, which is for anyone that knows anything about your running shoes, um, experts would tell you <laughs> to have replaced them long ago. Um, so I needed some new shoes and I, I just recently got them. Um, but this conversation really sparked in me, um, almost this like funny feeling of like my complacency, my complacency tendencies, <laughs> um, because I realized that, that I have just sort of used the same shoes or the same model of shoes more out of complacency. Um, and they're fine. Like they're fine. Um, but it isn't like a decision based on, you know, they're not like the best shoes I've ever owned or like even my favorite shoes. And I haven't tried on another pair of shoes in years. So I don't even know what else is out there that I would like. And it's just become kind of convenience and complacency and ease that I have stuck with these shoes. And being on that call reminded me of that. <laughs> oh, wow. So shoes it, are definitely not in the same category as sports bras, which as we talked about a few weeks ago, you know, you own a sports bra that's 20 years old or something like that. And we learned from our community that a lot of people have sports bras way beyond what, you know, manufacturers recommend. <laughs> but shoes, it sounds like, don't fit that, oh, it doesn't matter <laughs> no. approach the way that bras do. No, your shoes, your shoes do matter. I mean, because they break down. You can get injured if you don't replace your shoes, which... Like I never recommend going, you know, over as many miles as I do. Um, I definitely make mine work and last as long as I possibly can. And one of the other trail runners who was on the discussion panel shared that same bad habit of letting his shoes go a little longer than they probably should. But also that was kind of informing, you know, this um, brand that we were speaking with that um, we're looking for shoes that can kind of last a little bit longer because we're looking at that total value of miles logged per you know, the shoes that you're, the cost of the shoe itself, because you can end up spending a lot if you run a lot of miles, you know, every month. It was really interesting though, for me, because I, it made me really think, because they were asking me all these questions about how you determine what shoes you buy. And I was like, gosh, I used to really be more thoughtful about that. And part of it was that I had a local running store that I felt very passionately attached to, and they had really knowledgeable staff and they had a great selection. And, um, and now I'm just lazy and online shopping has kind of brought me to that place. <laughs> yeah, the, the miles per dollar ratio has to be good, right? <laughs> so what are you going to do now? You've got new shoes, but will you take a more active role in picking out your next shoes? 
I think so, yeah. And I also, I have some shoes that I um, have been meaning to try that are, you know, sort of sitting in there like kind of these, then take them for like a little test run. And they're different than the shoes that I've just been purchasing sort of on this like rote, like I just, I've been using these, so I'm just going to keep using them sort of thing. Um, and I'm going to give my other shoes that I need to test a fair, a fair shot and really um, log some miles on them and, and get them out into the wild. So yeah, I don't know. I just want to put a little bit more thought back into it and like really think about like, you know, what I'm wearing on my feet and, um, and are those the right shoes that I'm, that I'm running in? And I know that sounds like really kind of silly, but it's also like, no, it's, it's important because you're, you're using like, that's the one thing that you kind of need more than any other gear is a good pair of running shoes. Cause you don't want to hurt your knees and you know, whatever. <laughs> so, yeah, Especially for you because you log so many miles. It makes sense that you should be, you know, taking good care of your feet. Yeah. Giving yourself many more miles to run in the future. Yeah. Anyways, that's my very unimportant, important news of the week. <laughs> that is very important. I'm excited for you for to refocus your energy on your shoes. Yeah, me too. <laughs> good. <laughs> my unimportant, important news, you already know, but I had this incredible emotional release over the last weekend and it kind of surprised me actually <laughs> how good it felt. But what happened is I got to drive in a car by myself, which, as you know, as a parent to a young child, never happens, especially during a pandemic when you don't go anywhere. So I got a car ride all by myself. I was driving through Texas, and I turned up my music really, really loud, like blasted out my eardrums. And then every time I saw a political sign that I disliked, I just let it rip. I had these like guttural rage screams, just like breaking my body apart. And it was amazing from the safety of my car. I spent a couple of hours intermittently rage screaming. And I have to tell you, when I stepped out of my car a few hours later, after all that screaming and all that loud music, I felt lighter and happier than I have in months. It was so good. I felt really good, especially because lately it feels like all the things I usually turn to to make myself feel better have been feeling really inadequate for the state of the world right now. So now I know another thing I can put in that sort of mental health toolbox is to go for a solo drive and just scream from the quiet, safe space of my car. So that's my unimportant, important news. I encourage everyone to go scream somewhere private if they have the opportunity. That's such a great tip. And it's funny because I've seen that tip used in different ways. Um, I've seen, it's funny, I've seen a lot of parents post about just like the freedom of going and sitting out, just even not driving, but just like sitting outside in your car during this time as just like a form of release. I haven't sat in my car just to escape my household. I can totally like, it like hits me really hard. I resonate with that because I'm like, yep, I, I get it. I get that feeling of just needing to close yourself in somewhere and feel safe and secure and separate. Separate, <laughs> <laughs> <Right>, yes. <Yeah. laughs> and to like not have to hold it together for everyone around you and pretend everything's fine and we're just going to, you know, play trucks or whatever. Yep. Play trucks, rinse, repeat. Mm-hmm. Yep. 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 Um, I think that is such a great segue um, because we just 
had the pleasure of um, listening in to some very, very smart women talking about political wellness and how when we are in such a turbulent <laughs> and interesting political climate, how much we have to really lean back in to those forms of our own self-care or release or or acknowledge when we're not doing those things and acknowledge when maybe we're sort of, I don't know, for lack of a better you know word, like kind of going dark <laughs> um, or getting, mm-hmm. yeah, or just kind of like going through the motions. For me, there were some powerful things that stood out in that panel, one of which was the the almost emotional release that I, I felt and heard from some of the panelists just talking about this year. It was like they opened up and then they, as soon as they started to open up about it, so many of them had so many, you could tell so many emotions sort of so deeply attached to that. And they were surprised. They surprised themselves <laughs> in, in a lot of ways too. Yeah. And it was so validating too, to be watching and to see you know, all of these women are incredibly active politically. And so this is what they do for their day jobs. And I would assume doing that, you gain some calluses around having to deal with these tumultuous times. But hearing them release and, and admit to how hard this year has been and what measures they're taking to take care of themselves made me realize just how normal it is for all of us to have those dark moments, dark days, um, days when you just feel so powerless mm-hmm. and so down. Um, and so it was kind of a, it was a little pep talk in that way of like, oh, we're all really in this together and we're all experiencing these really intense emotions and you need to give yourself a break and you need to acknowledge those dark feelings. And I think not just the like the, the dark feelings. I also kind of got a sense that, and I don't know if this was just me, but I also got this sense of almost like it, it I don't know, sol- it's not solidarity. Solidarity is not the right word, but like I almost got this sense of like, oh, okay, I see. We all do this to ourselves. We're all really hard on ourselves. I felt like there were moments when each of them talked about, you know, ways that they felt like I should be, could be, I wish I was doing more um, this feeling of inadequacy that I think we all sort of fall into at times, um, especially right now in this political climate, when we all wish that we could be and should be. And, you know, how do I use my voice better? And what could I be doing more? Um, you know, I like Tasha said something that kind of made me laugh. She was like, you know, I want to share the pretty picture of my matcha latte, <laughs> but like using her platform sort of more um, thoughtfully and you know mindfully and having a stronger voice out there and then sometimes you just want to share the damn pretty picture and sort of for her like navigating that balance and I you know and I resonated with that another one of the panelists I, I know Melanie started talking about how sometimes you know she's feeling like you know she's from Arizona and there's like these times where she wishes like she could be more like on the front lines there and um, she's like doing phone banking from her home and you know, just all these feelings for her, even as somebody as politically active as she already is, where she's like, I'm not doing enough. And I think it's a good reminder for all of us to sort of, you know, if you are doing something and you are voting um, and you are staying active and you are having conversations, do what you can instead of sort of beat yourself up about doing the things you haven't done. Um, Because I think that's how we sort of fall into that trap of, well, I, I can't do this many things, so I'm not going to do it at all. 
Um, and it was such a good reminder. I don't know for me personally, that like we all suffer from that a little bit and we all have to just get over it and just do as much as you can versus like criticize yourself for like, you know, the few things that you didn't do or, or didn't show up for. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It reminded me so much of what Natalie Silver, who we've also had on the podcast talked about in terms of dedicating some time, you know, she talked about, okay, I'm going to watch one less TV show a night so I can do some phone banking. And it's such a great reminder from her and from all of our panelists that it can be a little bit of time. <laughs> you know, it doesn't have to be an all or nothing proposition, but you can jump in for what you're able to jump in for. And then, you know, mark that as job well done. You've, you've been engaged, you've done your part. Um, and everyone's part is going to look different right now because we're all in very different situations exacerbated the pandemic of course yeah I remember when she said that watch one less tv show and I was like guilty (laughs) I need to do that (laughs) um but then I didn't take that advice this week and I actually watched one more tv show um (laughs) but I realized that in some ways that was my way of taking care of myself it was very much a needed piece of self-care because it's total like fantasy, you know, fun TV. We watched The Mandalorian and it's Star Wars, but not Star Wars, but fun and action packed and just like exactly the kind of thing that I needed just to be like, I'm out of this world right now, (laughs) like doing something else entirely. Um, So yeah, I didn't actually, I need to take that advice and for many reasons, not just politically, but like watch one less TV show. Um, So yeah, but not this week. I'll start next week. (laughs) sometimes tv really is self-care good for you yeah Yeah, one thing that really stood out to me was uh when the panelists were talking about how they dealt with family members or friends who they have differing values from and how they manage those kinds of relationships something that rachel said really stood out for me she talked about how she steps back from conversations with certain family members. But when the time is right, or when she has an opportunity, she has what she calls micro rebellions. So for example, talking to family members who were in an area really hard hit by the pandemic with whom she shares different sort of voting preferences. And she said that she would say, I'm so sorry that you're struggling. I wish that you were able to get more help than you're getting or something like that. Mm. Mm-hmm. Sort of acknowledging that in her value system, they would be getting more support from the government, even though in their value system, maybe that wasn't the case. And I loved that example because to me, it felt like such a perfect way to not wade into an all out war to respect those differences of opinion, but also not erase yourself or your own values in the process. Yeah. Um, so I've just loved that idea of micro rebellions. And it's something that feels like a really natural place to begin if there's people that you aren't quite sure how to have the big conversations with that feel like an easy way to sort of set the stage for future conversations or at least feel like you're speaking your mind a little bit. Yeah, I I thought that it was so useful because Rachel also, I think, was the one that mentioned that, you know, having those conversations, it's it doesn't it's she was saying basically like it doesn't end with like that conversation it's like just because you've had it and if they didn't agree that time, like the first time they heard it, that that's not enough. It just needs to keep being there. You have to keep reminding people that it's there. 
And I feel like that's with everything, right? It's so important not to just be like, okay, one and done. And not to say if somebody is just flat out never going to listen, or you just know it's, it's a dead end, dead end, dead end. Then sometimes there's for your own self-care, you just have to stop and be like, I'm not going to engage. But sometimes you also have to remind yourself that those little microaggressions, perhaps just by reminding somebody, you know, hey, like, I'm sorry that you're struggling. And I wish that this, you know, was different for you. I wish that systems were in place to help you more. But reminding them of those things more and more and just continuously engaging could be a really good way to break, you know, to break through and and have those harder conversations without sort of having to get defensive or insult or whatever. So I really love that too. And I also love that idea that people need to keep hearing it um, because you're that first conversation you have is not always going to be the one that they listen to. Exactly. I found that really helpful too. And it's so perfect because this week on The Activist, we're talking about that very thing, how there's no silver bullets for any kind of change you want to see happen. And we're recording this a couple of weeks before the election, and this is coming out the day before the election. So nobody knows what's going to happen, but we're all kind of expecting that. Wait, you don't know? <laughs> <laughs> My God, if I could predict the future. Why can't you? I was hoping that was the big reveal today. I I thought you were going to tell me you like got some secret intel. Surprise. Surprise. Elise knows everything. She's baby Yoda. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no matter what happens tomorrow or in the coming weeks, whenever we find out the results of this election, you know, there's no, it's not like it's going to be one and done. It's not like whatever change we're hoping for, whether we, you know, quote unquote, win or lose is going to happen. We still have to keep having these conversations. We still have to keep showing up as political actors. We have to keep caring about each other and doing the best that we can and having those hard conversations. And so, yeah, hearing her talk about it with that sort of long view and that understanding that everyone's opinion is accumulation of all the conversations they've had, all the experiences they've had. It's a good reminder to keep having conversations, keep showing up, keep having experiences. And hopefully, you know, we can make some real progress. Yeah. Not get complacent. You have to keep (laughs) trying and staying engaged and knowing when to retire an old pair of running shoes and (laughs) or a family member who's never gonna budge on an issue sometimes you just need to know like when to retire from that conversation or I think as Melanie said allow yourself some distance from those people um and then also to know when it's time to pick it back up and be like okay these could use a few more miles or maybe I need to give this another little test drive um because you just never know what people are actually going to listen or resonate with and I think that's important to just stay engaged and you know, issues that are important to you. Another thing that I remember Natalie saying to us, like one way to also approach family members is when there's an issue that's really, really important to you, presenting just that issue sometimes is a really great way to start conversations with a nice personal antidote of why it's important to you. And often people will listen to that because they care about you and they care about the things that you care about. And that was a great reminder for me is like to frame it more on not like my like vehement opinions about, you know, what's going on in just like current affairs in the world, et cetera, but more to frame it like personally and like to try and come at it in a way that feels like a more productive conversation and can engage people that care about me to care about things that I care about. Right. 
I mean, I feel like we respond so much better to personal stories than we do, you know, big statistics or big talking points. But if you can hear from someone that you care about, something that they care deeply about, I, I mean, how could you not at least open your mind a little bit to that kind of conversation? Yeah, it's almost impossible not to, even if you won't, you know, say that, <laughs> even if you're somebody who feels very stubborn and you don't want to let on that you've heard it. I think that most people have that, you know, ability to be like, wow, they're really passionate and care about this thing. And they were, they're hearing you, you know, one way or the other. And if they care about you, then you're probably at least giving them some new perspectives to think about, if not changing their mind. <laughs> you never know what might stick in someone's mind and resurface years later or whenever, but that might have a real impact on their thinking somewhere down the road. Yeah. And then I think also, we, we sort of talked about this at the beginning, but I wanted to kind of circle back on it because it felt so almost reassuring. <laughs> I don't know why I need so much reassurance. We talked about mom guilt and I was waving the flag of, I can't help it. I just always feel it. Validate me. Tell me not to be guilty. Tell me it's okay to feel sad or feel broken or feel just really affected by everything that's going on. And I know that's an understatement, but it felt almost reassuring that everybody shared these really personal ways that they've been dealing with everything that's happened this year from therapy or avoidance of therapy, as Katie mentioned, or just going into dark places. And it felt really reassuring. I've certainly gone through the washing machine of emotions this year. And I feel like I've finally found this way to say, okay, here are the things I'm going to do. This is what I want to take action on. I'm I want to be a stronger voice here. I need to have balance. I'm trying to balance things and set boundaries around what I need for my own self-care. And I finally addressed that and I feel better than I have in a while. And I think it's really purely from taking that care and whether it's, you know, through talking to a therapist or it's going out climbing or running or whatever you need to do to clear your, it's just a good reminder that it is okay to take that time to do that. <laughs> and that we're all doing it. Even the people who are, you know, the frontline like activists who are like out there leading the charge and educating us all. Yeah. I mean, I loved that there was a literal round of applause for therapists during that panel. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. panel was like clapping for their therapist. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I love, you know, to the extent that this year is helping to normalize mental health. But yeah, I think reassurance is the word of the year for me. <laughs> uh, I think I talk about validation every time we get on the phone, and especially when we're talking about these workshops, because I feel so isolated, so isolated in feeling so down and feeling just so kind of bummed out by everything that's happening. And I, I told the panelists this before we went live. I spent too much time on Twitter doom scrolling and it put me in such a dark place and I was really trying to claw my way out of that doom hole <laughs> and I think to panel it, it honestly helped me do that and it was just about talking to people who validated my feelings and had been there too and were finding ways to keep moving despite those dark days yeah reassurance it's important <laughs> And apparently all of us need a little bit more of it right now. So maybe that's like a good reminder to reach out to somebody. And even if you don't know that they need something, just give them, you know, some kind of reassurance or just like a hello and how are you? Because I think sometimes we just assume that everybody around us is well, but that might not be the case. And sometimes just, yeah, checking in 
And I think that was like a good reminder for me is everybody needs a sounding board right now because we are feeling so isolated. And so sometimes it's just nice to schedule that time or just reach out and just be reached out to and know that, you know, people know that you might need a sounding board, <laughs> whether that's a friend or a therapist or a partner or whatever. Yeah. Something Katie said really speaks to that too. She talked about, and I'm going to butcher her words here, but she talked about meeting people's hurt with compassion or with love mm-hmm. and about how people who are posting angry or ranty things online are often doing so from a place of hurt. And so instead of returning the hurt, instead of adding to it, just trying to meet them with empathy mm-hmm. and with compassion. And it's a tall order, honestly. Like that's a pretty tall order. <laughs> but it certainly feels like something to aspire to. Or step away from the internet. Yeah, <laughs> just get off the internet. That was another thing that I was like, <laughs> yep, round of applause for that. Yep. Yeah. As you know, I get kind of thrilled when I kind of piss people off a little bit, because again, I think it just means that you have said something that somebody at least listened to, even if it didn't totally resonate. But what I will say is I typically don't engage any further um, as people get angry or whatever. And I just try and say, okay, you know, see ya. But one thing they, they did talk about a little bit kind of goes along those lines of trying to figure out how to meet people with more love and more empathy and understanding is there was a little discussion over how hard it's been um, for some of these folks who have larger followings online and are used to a little bit less controversy, controversy maybe like on their profiles and channels. And like that fear over, or that not fear necessarily, but just that reality of losing followers in this year. And that was really interesting to me because I sort of don't give two shits over losing followers. Um, (laughs) And it was interesting to hear everybody's positioning on that. People do care about this. And it's because you care about your communities, right? That's probably the underlying piece of it. I don't think any of them were coming at it from like a purely number standpoint, but it was more like, oh man, this person's been part of my community. And now we're so polarized on this thing that they're just like going to totally unfollow and no longer engage with me and the stuff that I'm saying, which means I'm losing somebody who's listening. And so Mm -hmm. I understand that. But at the same time, I have that in me where I'm just like, oh, I I don't give a shit. Don't follow me if you don't like me. (laughs) I'm like, is that because I'm like 38? And yeah, and just bitter I don't know you managed to decouple your follower count from your ego and I hear you I don't think our panelists were talking about it from the perspective of oh look how many followers I have no I don't think so a sense of loss (laughs) yeah Uh, but I think you know that's that sort of holds true to who you are in real life too yeah Uh, I mean (laughs) I mean everyone just go ahead and unfollow me it's totally fine it doesn't change anything not going to change what I say because I'm not trying to come at anybody with attacks or vitriol or you know be an asshole but if you're going to unfollow me because you don't agree with me well that's fine I'm totally fine with that I wasn't trying to make this all about me but I was thinking about it how if you've been working on activism for longer than this election year um, and you have projects that you're deeply passionate about and all of a sudden you start losing followers who once followed you because of those passions But now, because of your separate partisan stance, no matter what issues you might agree on, they've chosen to unfollow. 
And then it feels like maybe some of that message, that work that you worked so hard to get people on board, that's frustrating. And so I could see why they felt that way. And I was just like, ugh, that sucks. That really sucks. Yeah, that makes sense. It's just this time is so it's so hard from so many perspectives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a challenge. But all in all, it gave me a lot of hope. Yeah, if nothing else, this workshop really reinforced for me just how many brilliant and highly energetic and thoughtful people that are working to bring about real change in so many important areas. And it makes me want to get up and join the fight stronger and better and harder. You know, watch one less TV show. Yes. I'll do that next week. You hear me, Natalie, and everybody else? I need to put down the remote sometimes. I think it's going to help us have better strategies um, for keep keeping the momentum, keeping the engagement, but also checking in and taking care of ourselves post-election day because I think there's still so much work that needs to be done, but it's sort of this reminder that you can't do everything all at once and chew off what you can and don't beat yourself up to a degree of burnout because you're not useful to anybody if you're burnt out. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. It's so true. And to that end, I propose we all take November 4th off. Oh, Uh, okay. Everyone listening, please take Wednesday off. Enjoy. Enjoy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Tell your boss or whoever you need to tell that you're off. If I were president, that would be my first proclamation. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. That's like when you run for school council and you're like, if I become president, the vending machines will be free. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Goldfish crackers for everyone. You know what? That person has my vote. Ice cream Friday. We don't know where the funds will come from, but it'll happen. I wasn't popular enough in high school to run for student council. Um, and and I was far too shy to do that and to put myself on the line. But I remember watching the speeches and the, the campaigns. And I remember thinking, do you hear yourself right now? What are you promising <laughs> us? Like, we're going to take time out of the school day. And I was like, says who? Like, what authority do you actually have? <laughs> like, I remember just feeling so snarky and like, Ah, uh, I was just all my teenage angst roiled into like this feeling of what the hell is this? What kind of pep rally is this? What are you talking about? <laughs> As cheerleaders are doing cartwheels and our weird math teacher was pumping the crowd up. It's just a puppet government. You have no power. <laughs> yeah. What are you promising these people? <laughs> Letterman jackets for everybody. <laughs> I don't know. This is where they all learn to lie. Probably everyone in politics was originally student body president or whatever. I remember feeling really angry at my particular class and our student government and feeling like (laughs) it was all just a popularity contest and that nothing got done except for you got to be teachers, you know, pet and walk around campus free and you could do whatever you wanted is what it felt like to me. Not a lot of power, but lots of privileges. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Seems sort of, you know. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Uh, I just remember that the government of their student body tried to shut down the newspaper. <laughs> oh my gosh. Because, <laughs> because like... we found an article they didn't like. And we were like, freedom of speech and the press. Um, can we talk about that for a minute? That, <laughs> you were a badass in 
high school. Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, you wrote an article that stirred up so much controversy that they wanted to shut down the newspaper. We were both on newspaper, by the way. How nerdy of us and how wonderful. Um, you mean how awesome of us? Uh-huh. Thank you. How nerdy um. and wonderful. I'm also watching <laughs> The Mandalorian. So like, come on. Nerdy yeah. and wonderful. Um, yeah, I didn't actually write the article that they disliked so much, but I was editor at the time. This was my senior year and we did an expose. This is super hard hitting journalism (laughs) of of how funds were being used by the student body government. And I don't remember any of the details, but they did not like that we were looking at their budget and trying to figure out where money went. And so we had this super intense meeting where they were threatening to shut us down. And we were like, you can't shut down the media freedom of press. We took it super seriously and they ended up not succeeding in shutting us down. But I remember the rest of my senior year, there were certain members of student body who were not very friendly to me or my friend who wrote the article. (laughs) But you also wrote an article that um, stirred controversy and ultimately didn't publish, I think. Yeah, I got censored. I tried to write about the abortion pill that got legalized when we were in high school. Yeah. And I was told it was too obscene, which is technically one of the reasons you can censor high school journalism is Uh, for obscenity. I was writing about abortion. I think it was amazing. It's funny. That was my one of my very favorite outlets in high school. Um, I was both on yearbook and newspaper because, again, super awesomely nerdy. But that was actually the one class. I I was like a straight A student, as were you in high school. I was not a troublemaker. Um, I was not this person who would get in trouble in a class. And I got in a shouting match with our journalism teacher, a literal shouting (laughs) match. That was so good. (laughs) (laughs) And like, he was just not a good human. I'm just going to go out there and say that. Yeah. Anyways, all things aside, I think that experience in our student journalism days, we were both pretty ignited so passionately around something clearly that you were getting censored and in trouble with the entire like student body of your class. And I was having a shouting match with a teacher, which I never would have done. So let's keep that energy. Let's take our high school journalism energy into this election and and beyond. Oh, my gosh, I love it. Let's go make some good student journalism trouble. (laughs) Uh, that's funny yeah yeah all right Uh, yeah well if you didn't have a chance to tune in to our political wellness activist workshop I highly recommend Katie Bouet Amelia Howe Melanie Fontes Rainer and Rachel Older were amazing and as always so was Tasha so you need to check it out these ladies all have really smart and amazing things for us all to take into this election and beyond. Yes. And we will drop the link in the show notes, but please do watch it. Especially today might be a great time. We probably all need a little pick me up and remember take Wednesday off. Thanks folks. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the activist. We publish new conversations about topics related to fitness, health, and community every week please subscribe and review wherever you listen. And to join us for live workshops and movement classes, please visit flexandflow.org slash join.